I got home later that night, and Rach asked me how, how it was, and I, was, and I said to her, I said, we could never be farmers. We're a little too proper, and we don't like to get dirty. Never is our life. And, and it was funny because I had a new appreciation. Throughout the Bible, you often read about various characters from the Bible that were farmers. As I read it, I totally see them in a different light. It was funny because the very next morning, I sat down to do my quiet time. And the next part of my quiet time was all about Joseph. And as I was reading it, I couldn't help but think about my experience just the previous day about my time on the farm. And so tonight, There were three things that I was reminded of while farming as seen through the eyes of Joseph. And so tonight, if you would, turn with me to Genesis 39. Genesis, as most of you know, is the very first book of the Bible. Now, the entire story of Joseph takes place over about 14 chapters, all the way from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. So obviously, we're not going to go through the whole thing today, but just to kind of give you a rundown... Joseph had 11 older brothers, one younger brother. It says in the Bible that Joseph was loved more than any of the others by his dad. They gave him this coat. You maybe even seen the musical. I don't know if that's even accurate. Oh, give it up for the Joseph musical. Like one person like, I love musicals. Um, Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. So he had all these brothers and one day he told them of these two dreams. And in the first dream, they were going to bow down to him. He had these grain, and it was going to bow down to him. He had another dream about the sun and the moon and the stars, and they were bowing down to him. So let me just tell you, if already your brothers hate you, don't tell them a dream or two dreams in a row about one day you're going to bow down to me. And so those brothers were shepherds. They were out in the field one day. And so Jacob, who was their dad, said, Joseph, can you go check on your brothers? And they saw him coming from a distance, and they plotted to kill him. Well, one of the brothers said, hey, we're not going to kill him. Let's just throw him down in what they called a cistern, which was like a well. Let's just throw him down there. And so they tore off his robe. They threw him into a pit. And they went back and told the dad that Joseph had died. Well, really what had happened there, rather than killing him, they sold him to some merchants, some traders, if you will. And then those traders, those merchants, when they arrived in Egypt, they sold him to Potiphar. And Potiphar was kind of the chief officer in Pharaoh who was the ruler of all of Egypt. They sold him into that house. And so Potiphar, he almost became like his right-hand man, his second-in-command, the guy that he entrusted his whole entire household to. And one of the things that it says in the Bible is that everything in Potiphar's household began to do amazingly well. Once Joseph was there, things began to turn for the better. You see, Joseph became a slave, and I don't know about you, but Joseph did everything he was asked to do. Now, I would be the worst slave in the history of the world, because I'm going to be really honest with you, I don't like doing what I don't want to do. There's sometimes it's really hard. There's expectations that are on me that I just don't want to do. But you'll see Joseph in here, he knew the job, he knew the expectations, and he did it to the best of his ability. He stayed optimistic even in the midst of a bad situation, and God began to bless Potiphar's home and Potiphar's family. So tonight, in our small time together, because there's a very important game three that's going to happen in just about 33 minutes. Just kidding. 
I want to give you three points tonight that we can look at, that I saw working on the farm, that we can look at through the lens of Joseph in the Bible. The first thing, if you're taking notes, number one, optimism leads to opportunity. Optimism leads to opportunity. You see, when I first met Hillary and she gave me that list and I ran it down, I was so optimistic. I have got this. I kind of puffed out my chest. I put my shoulders back. I knew I was going to do that. There was nothing on that list that seemed overwhelming. There was nothing on that list that seemed incredibly hard. You see, Joseph did the same thing. He was put in situations. He endured things that lesser people would have quit. Most of us would have just given up. But you see, Joseph remained optimistic. See, a lot of things had happened to Joseph up until that time. But if you look in Genesis 39, his story, just as it looked like it was getting better, he was in Potiphar's house, things were going so great, his story was about to take a different turn. Maybe, maybe some of you can recognize this. Things go very well in your life, and just when you think things are going to coast, the bottom starts to drop out. Listen to what it says in Genesis 39, starting in verse 6 through 18. It says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that he was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. So already you've seen Joseph's life. He was, first of all, thrown into a well, then sold into slavery, and now he's accused of a crime he didn't commit. One, two, three strikes. For most of us, three things like that, relatively close in succession, would be enough to, for us to give in to give it up, to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And see, if you continue the story, Potiphar was furious, and Potiphar threw him in prison. And the thing that you need to notice about this story is Joseph ended up in the wrong place for doing the right thing. You see, one of my favorite quotes ever is, the truth of your character is expressed through the choice of your actions. You see, character is who you are when no one else is watching. It's those choices when your parents aren't around, when your friends aren't around. I often talk about late at night, the choices that you're making at 9, 10, 11 o'clock when you think no one's watching. That's your character. And you see, at this point, Joseph knew what to do in the wrong situation, but ultimately, 
It backfired on him. It had wrong results. And that would have been enough, I think, for Joseph to give up. If I was in that situation and I was falsely accused of something, it would be enough for me to just want to give up, to take away. But if you read throughout all of Genesis 39, four times in this chapter, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. You see, throughout this story, he wasn't in there alone. He wasn't going through it alone. And some of you need to hear today, neither are you. The same God that was with Joseph in that prison is still here, actively involved in loving you and watching out for you today. You see, recently I read a study, and here's what it said. The number of teenagers who say that they have prolonged moments of loneliness has increased 13% in the last five years. You look at any segment of the U.S. population of any age, teenagers today are the loneliest part of the U.S. population. It says loneliness leads to increased risks of anxiety, depression, dementia, and heart disease. It goes on to say that loneliness will cut your life expectancy, how long you're supposed to live, almost at the same rate as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You see, loneliness can completely change your life. You see, we've often said here that you were never meant to live alone. You need to be around people. You need to find those people in your life. You see, that's why when we come to something like this, if you see somebody sitting by themselves, will you do me a favor and just bring them in? Introduce yourself. Find out what their name is and say, hey, do you want to sit with me? You see, that's why throughout this school year, we had small groups, because we wanted you to connect with students, but if nothing else, to connect with a leader. I often say we have some of the greatest leaders here at Underground, people that have a heart for students. And if you feel like, man, I don't have anybody to talk to, go to that leader. Go to Nat or Josh. Go to Rach or myself. Find that person, because we want you to know you're not alone. God is with you, and you have a community of people that want to be with you every single step of the way. You see, even in the prison, God was with Joseph. Throughout his life, God walked through every season of life alongside with Joseph. Take comfort that wherever you go, he goes along with you. And you see, you're about to see that through it all, God had a purpose for the prison. As we continue on this story, you'll see that God had a reason. God started putting things together. And I don't know where you are right now. Life may be hard, overwhelming, tough, and you feel shackled. You feel like you're in a prison. Trust me, even in the midst of it where it seems overwhelming, God has a purpose for your prison. You see, what I wrote down in my notes is even when it looked fatal, Joseph remained faithful. He still believed that God was there, even though he couldn't see him, even though situations and circumstances were unbearable to him. You see, in the midst of your problems, hold tight to God's promise. The promises of God that speak over your life, the things that we read about in Scripture. You see, even this week, I had to write some stuff down because sometimes it's very easy. I just said to somebody tonight, I look at 41 years old, I should have it all together by now. I don't. I'm far from it. And I have to go and be intentional every single day. I've told you before, every single morning, I guarantee you where you can find me. At my dining room table, 
in my Bible because I just need to be reminded what God says about you. And I just want to take about the next 30 to 45 seconds to read some of the promises of God. And as I list these, I want you to just let them wash over you because some of you, I truly believe, you need to hear some of these tonight. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My God will fully supply your every need. God is faithful. The thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If we make it our habit to confess our sins, in his righteousness, he forgives all of our sins. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that is found in God, Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. You see, wherever you go, God is watching over you. See, the prison that you're in can't stop what God wants to do. Your prison can't lock away your promise. The promises of God are with you wherever you go, no matter what your life looks like. If God says he'll do it, trust me, he will come through. So my encouragement to you is stay optimistic. Stay hopeful, stay encouraged. God is right there with you. Because people can strip you of your position, but they can never take away your purpose. Which leads us into the second thing. Patience leads to purpose. Patience leads to purpose. You see in that video, man, it took me forever to find Asher. I had no idea who it was, and I just kept searching and going and thinking. And let me tell you, there were some times throughout the day I just wanted to give up. But I found him. I was patient. And you see, if you continue on in Joseph's story, in chapter 40, he's now in the prison still. And there's two guys that get thrown in there with him. There's a Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's cupbearer. And both of them, it doesn't tell us exactly what happened, but they had offended Pharaoh and they were sent to prison. And while they were in prison, both of these men had two separate dreams. And nobody else could interpret them. And they talked to Joseph, and Joseph was able, he said, with the help of God, tell me your dreams and I'll interpret them. And here's what happened. The cupbearer told his dream. And as he was telling it, Pharaoh was interpreting it. I'm sorry, Joseph was interpreting it. And here's what he interpreted the dream. He said, in three days, Pharaoh will bring you back. He will restore you to your original position, and you will go back to the palace. And so I can imagine the cupbearer there, he's just waiting his time. He's just biding his three days until he knows he gets back to his position. And I can imagine the baker sitting there, and the baker's like, interpret my dream. What's going to happen to me? And here's what he says. Basically, you will be killed. And he goes a little step further. He actually says, three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will come and peck away your flesh. That's a picture of what impalement looks like. 
So this first guy, the cupbearer, you're going to go back into Pharaoh's palace. The other dude, this is what's going to happen to you. And I'm sure in that time, the guy's like, oh, crap, I wish I didn't even know that. Like, don't even tell me. We can take that down. That's disgusting. But here's what happens in, in Genesis 40. Look and see, in starting in verse 20, it says, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. And he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. Came true. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. You see, God had spoken and used Joseph to be able to interpret dreams. But here's the last part of it that I really want you to catch. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Because here's what both men said. Once Joseph had interpreted the dream, he said, here's what I think is going to happen to you next. Here's what God is telling me. If this comes true, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh So he'll save me. So he'll come back and see that God is on my side. And both men are like, yep, we'll do that. We'll remember you. But as you see there, one of them is killed. The other one gets back to the palace, but forgets all about Joseph. You see, Joseph, I'm sure in that time, again, he wanted to just give up. And just like with Asher, I could have given up time and time again, running around that field, running around that farm. But you see, there's consequences. And I think sometimes if I would have tried to feed the wrong animal, there would have been consequences to that. But how often do we try to feed the wrong things in our life? How often do we devote our time, our money, our effort to things that are clearly not of God? And when we do that, there are consequences. You see, I often think about Joseph. I often think about him because I'm assuring that every single time that prison door opened, I almost picture Joseph hopping to his feet, ready to see his freedom, ready to finally see someone from the palace say, hey, we're going to take you out. We heard your story. We heard what God is with you. Come with us. But every single time, it doesn't happen. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. I think if that was some of us, we would have probably cursed God. We've had a pity party. We could have complained about how unfair our life was. But that's never what Joseph did. You see, even though the cupbearer forgot about Joseph, God never did. And it's the same for you tonight. Even though you think you're forgotten about, even though you see all this great stuff happening to other people and you think God's completely forgotten about you, can I tell you, that's not true. God still has plans. God still has dreams for you. And the timing's just not right yet. Hold tight to the fact that God wants to do something through you that only he can do in only his time. And believe that. You see, if you continue on in his story, it goes in Genesis 41, It starts with the words, two full years later. He had been waiting for two years 
after both of those guys were released. And as you read that from the outside, it looks like God had forgotten about him, but really he was getting ready to write Joseph's next chapter. You see, he didn't even know that at the time. You see, what if in those times where you feel like God has left you, what if he's just getting ready to launch you? What if he's getting ready to push you into the destiny and the purpose that he has for your life? Because God was getting ready to do something big in Joseph's life. Which leads us to our final point. Perseverance leads to promotion. And if you're our worship team, you can come on up at this time. Perseverance leads to promotion. I've shared with you, there's many times on that farm, ask the team that went with us, that I was ready, I'll tell you, to give up. I was hot, I was tired. Listen, you know me, I don't love to do like outdoorsy kind of stuff. I'm like a more of an inside kind of guy. I had poop under my fingernails. Like, I was just done. I stunk. It was gross. But I persevered. I kept trying. I kept working towards it. And you see what happens in chapter 41 later on. Two years later, the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. Joseph had perseverance. He kept on. He was in that prison, but he kept believing that God had a plan for his life. And so one day, Pharaoh calls him in. And we pick up in Genesis 41, verses 37 through 46. It says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you. Because you see, Pharaoh was here and he had this dream and he could not figure it out. All the greatest people in all of the land could not interpret his dream. And only then did the cupbearer remember, there was a guy named Joseph. They took him from the prison. He came in and was accurately able to continue to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And it says, you will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a higher rank than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zedog. I don't know what that name even is. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath. She was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence... He inspected the entire land of Egypt. You see, it took us to this point where we start to see just how God had been in control of Joseph's life that entire time. You see, it wasn't by chance that he was taken to Egypt. It wasn't by chance that he was sold to Potiphar or accused by his wife or thrown in prison 
where he met the cupbearer. You see, all of that was orchestrated by God time and time again. You see, it took years, but God worked everything together so that Joseph would meet with Pharaoh on that exact same day. You see, God was waiting for just the right time to release Joseph from prison. See, God could have thrown open the door of the prison anytime he wanted, but God had a purpose for the prison. And I'll tell you, when you feel like quitting, remember why you started. Remember why you started to walk in the direction that God was pointing to you. And it's going to be hard, and it's going to be overwhelming, and it's going to make you want to quit. You see, but he was 17 when he was thrown in that pit, and 30 years old when he was made ruler out of all of Egypt. You see, it took him 13 years to go from the pit to the palace. So I'm telling you right now, things may not change overnight. The dreams and the desires and the plans that God has put in your heart will probably not wake up tomorrow and say, my life is great. There's going to be trials that you go through. There's going to be times when you get frustrated. Let me tell you right now, don't quit. Hear me loud and clear. A waiting season is not a wasted season. You see, in those times... You might want to ask, God, will you ever show up? And God's saying, I'm just waiting. I'm preparing you. You know that character thing that Joseph was really good at? I'm just preparing your character. I'm getting you ready. You're not quite there yet, but you're there. I see the potential in you. I see you're a little rough around the edges, but I know that I can do something with that. You see, there's times where God may wait a long time to show up in your life, but there may be other times where he shows up so quick that you're not even ready. There may be times where you say, God, this is really fast and I'm not qualified to do this. Please pick someone else. And God said, uh-uh, I'm picking you. I've chosen you for such a time as this. You see, I preached a message on this very platform right at the end of the year. And in that message, I was like, I cannot wait for the new year to come. Bring it on. This year has been terrible. I'm ready to step in at fresh start. And I wish I could tell you the first five months of this year have been amazing. But the people that have walked through life with Rach and I and our family have known it's been tough. There's been things over and over and over again that we've had to walk through as a family. But can I tell you, I've oftentimes come to this story. In some ways, I know this story like the back of my hand because I've had to come to this passage over and over because I want to be Joseph. It's so easy for me to give up. It's so easy for me to throw in the towel. It's so easy for me to forget what God has called me and my family to step into. But you see, if you continue on into the story just a little bit further, jumping all the way to Genesis chapter 50, Jacob, the dad, has passed away. And Joseph comes face to face with his brothers. Famine has hit. There's no food anywhere to go. And these brothers who were so terrible to Joseph, they come back. And they have a meeting with him. And so many years have passed that they don't even notice. 
And it's amazing to see what happens. They're waiting for Joseph to just wipe them off, behead them, get rid of them, never to be seen again. But I love how this story ends in Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 through 20. It says, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrongs we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelty. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received this message, he broke down and wept. You see, Joseph had every right to not forgive those brothers, to never want to see them again, to cast them out. But you know, I think what Joseph did there is he could look back and all the stuff that the brothers had done, he started to see God's fingerprints on every single Thing that he was going through. You see, even in the hard things, God was still orchestrating the comeback for Joseph because it goes on to say, then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph's. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. You see, the stuff you're going through, the stuff that you're sitting in here right now, the stuff that you shared with those people in your life, or that stuff that you have just left inside of you, nobody knows about. I'm just sitting on it myself. You see, a season of difficulty can lead you to a lifetime of destiny. You see, I sat down with somebody just the other day, a great friend of mine, and we caught up. And as we were talking, we were just sharing about what life is going to look like in the next season. And our seasons are going to look very different from one another. And in that time as we were talking, my mind went to a line that I've heard a lot. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. And you see, I rest in that. Even when my life seems upside down, even when I don't have the words to say to somebody, I followed Jesus for so many years. I'm proud to be 41 years old. I'm proud of every gray hair that I had because guess what, I've earned it. And you see, through every season, God has been so faithful to me. And sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I just wanna give it in. I wanna give up, I wanna walk away. But every single season of my life, I'm telling you right now, if you lean into what God has for you, he's never gonna let you go. 
He's always going to come close to you. He's going to show you the destiny and the purpose and the direction of your life if you can just lean into him. You see, each and every one of you that can hear the sound of my voice, there is a call of God on your life. He wants to do things in and through you that he doesn't want to accomplish through anyone else. So listen to me. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't throw in the towel. Be Joseph. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He wants to use you as messy and as unqualified and as sinful as you are, God wants to use you. And you step into what that is and it's overwhelming and it's scary. And there's nights that you won't sleep because God's working on something in your life. Believe that, that the same God that was with Joseph in that prison is with you today. And to step into all that he has for you. You see, whatever your life looks like, know that not only I believe in you, but God believes in you. You see, I never take it for granted every time I'm on this platform because I know my life could be gone just like that. I've seen it happen. When you're my age, you've seen unexpected things happen So every time I'm up here, I don't know when's the last time I'm going to be able to share with you. But my encouragement to you is, you are marked out for great things. God has called you into a destiny and a purpose that only you can accomplish. And he has put his signet ring on you. Just like you saw there, Pharaoh put his signet ring. It signified, this is the one who I've chosen. This is the one who I've called. And God does the same thing for each and every one of you. And you say, well, I'm only in sixth grade. What's God going to do? I will tell you right now, don't you ever say that to me. Because God will start to give you dreams and desires and plans in your life that may be so overwhelming. How is that ever going to happen? Can I tell you, I look at my kids every single day. The best of days, the worst of days. There isn't a moment of the day I don't think about them. I don't pray for them because God has called them into something big and they don't know what it is. When you're 13 and 12 and eight, you just want to eat some free beef jerky outside and go ride your bike all day. But God is calling them into something big one day. And as their dad, one day I'm going to stand back and I say, look what we did, Rach. But man, look what God did. So my prayer for each and every one of you as we go into the summer is that no, you're not alone. The prison you're in isn't permanent. It's just, a, it's just a stop. It's just a rest area right now until you get moved on to the next chapter that God has for you. So will you stand with me? I just wanna pray together today. Everybody in this room, I just wanna pray over you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you brought here, We look forward to the summer, summer vacation. It's going to be awesome, but there's things that come up even in the summer, issues that have. And so I just want to pray over each and every one of you. Dear God, 
I thank you for every student, every leader, every volunteer, every person that made the effort to come out on a beautiful summer night to be here. And God, I just pray for each and every person, no matter what they're going through, no matter if we're going through an amazing season or God, a, a season of heartbreak, a season of difficulty, a season where we just want to throw the towel in, God, I pray that you would just come close to every single person. God, that you would start to drop dreams and desires and plans for each and every one of them. God, that you would let them know that they're not there alone, that there is a community of people around them that want to love them, that want to encourage them, that want to pray with them, that want to come alongside them. But God, even if we don't feel that some days, we know that you're with us. We know that just like Joseph, every single chapter of his life, even when it got overwhelming, he looked back and saw God was in that. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And God, we reach out to that. We believe in that. We step out in faith that everything we walk through, that you intend it for good. You're a good, good God. You're a good, good father, God. And we rest in the fact that you have great plans for each and every one of us. So God, I pray for blessing over every single person here tonight. That you would give them a great night. That you would give them a great week. And God, that you would continue to draw close to them day after day. And in your name, amen.